I'm Anna Horford, and you're listening to the Celtics Life Podcast. Welcome inside the Celtics Life Podcast, where this episode we're talking about the dominance of individual Celtics players and how they rank among the league's best. A chance for Gordon Hayward to return to the hardwood this season and a trade that may shake up the Eastern Conference at least slightly. I'm Topher Lane here with Mark Allison. Mark, how's it going? What's going on, dude? It's been a, a good day. You got uh, the Celtics taking down the Pistons after uh, the kind of grudge match after that tough one in the Garden. We're recording this just after that game. So for us, we're still pretty excited about it. Did you enjoy the game? Did you get a chance to watch it? Yeah, yeah. What's, I, I, what is going on with the Pistons, man? Um, uh, tail of two <laughs> games anyways, too. I mean, besides the Pistons getting there's their fifth straight loss, right? Sixth, um, I think. Have they six. won one since we played them last? I don't even know, man. That was what two weeks ago, and and they right like the, Drummond had a huge game, um, and then today he had what four points, something like that, six points, six, yeah. And it didn't his first points. bucket didn't even come until the the late third quarter. It you know, it's like it probably it basket interference too. He, he was scoreless at the half, and uh, fifteen. I think he still had fifteen rebounds. I mean, you can't keep the guy from getting the ball, but still, um, yeah, that's uh, crazy. Yeah, well, well, we'll talk about that a little bit later on in the in the pod, but want to start off with kind of the big news for us uh, came in an Adam Himmelsbach piece in the Boston Globe where he sat down with Gordon Hayward to watch the Spurs game on Saturday night or Friday night, I should say. Uh, Hayward indicating that he hasn't necessarily ruled out a return for this season. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, uh, see, this isn't a huge shock to me and only because, and I said this, you know, earlier when, when the injury first happened on the podcast, um, I, I for I broke my ankle earlier this year, same bone, and I and I hate it when people talk about like, oh, I had this injury and I had that injury and 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 whatnot. And I mean, we're comparing it to professional players and whatnot. But at the same time, I broke my ankle in February, and I was playing basketball in June. You know, and now granted, I don't play at the level that Gordon Hayward plays at, but. I, I could move around on it, and my doctor said I didn't have any restrictions. Yeah, you're so, not you're not going up for alley oops and stuff. And no, of course not. <laughs> but at the same time, at the same time, for my doctors to say that, yeah, you can do whatever you normally would do, uh, you know, and and they actually and like encourage you to do that, you know, to you know build up the strength and stuff. He's got a lot better personal training than I had. I mean, granted, I had a great personal trainer, but at the same time, he's doing like two a days. You know, they're not going to put him in a bad situation. I mean, they're, they're obviously not going to let him play if. If it's if it's going to be detrimental to him, I see a lot of people saying, "Oh, just sit out the year, wait for next year." I mean, they're not going to let him on the floor unless he's ready to go. So if if, if he's good enough to go and and he can play and say it's March, April, whatever, I mean, why not? Well, I want to bring in something Brad Stevens said. Chris Forsberg tweeted it earlier today on Sunday. Said Brad Stevens on the idea of Gordon Hayward returning the season. "Quote: We're not certainly going to put limitations on what he tries to do. That being said." We're not planning on him. So, yeah. you know, I mean, it seems like at least Stevens would be willing to let him play. I'm sure there would be some kind of minute restrictions, things of that nature that would keep sure. him from exacerbating any kind of injury or anything like that. But, you know, I mean, it it seems like we'd obviously love to have him back. I mean, he's an all-star. He's a, he's a great player. He was our prized free agent signing of the summer. And then to be you know taken away five minutes into the season... I think everyone, whether it's fans, whether it's teammates, whether it's even just the, the administration, the coaching staff, stuff like that, would be so enthused to have him back on the bench as a player and kind of getting into the groove of the offense, getting into the groove of the team. Maybe before playoffs, maybe we don't play him in the playoffs. Maybe that's something we kind of figure out as we go along. But it'd be great to let him get some reps with this squad that's still doing really well without him. Yeah, and, and I think the right way to go about it is just plan that he's not going to come back. And then if he does, it's a bonus, right? So um, I, I know when he first got hurt, uh, he had made a comment that, you know, he wasn't going to play this year. And, and I think that's kind of like the agents being like, you know, look, you say you're not going to play this year because you don't want to put any pressure on yourself. There's no need for that. Like, and then and then now if he does actually play, it would be like a, you know, it would be, it would be a huge bonus, right? Because mm-hmm. we kind of all assume that he probably wasn't going to play this year. At least most people did. I thought his career was over. I, I'm pretty sure I said that to you when, when he went down. I said, oh, that's it. That's it. Just when I saw the, the leg doing what but it did. His, but his injury looked so much worse than it was because his 
foot was dislocated yep. too. And I, I mean, he probably had some minor tendon damage and whatever too, but obviously nothing like tore or anything. Mm-hmm. But for his foot to come out of the socket like that and be like completely sideways, upside down, whatever the hell that was, yep. that what looked the worst, mm-hmm. right? I mean, and they popped that back in the socket and technically, you know, I mean, that's not as not anywhere near as bad as it looks, but at the same time, that I mean, <laughs> that was awful. Yeah. I mean, we, we all saw that live, and I, 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 I couldn't believe that that's you know all that happened there. It looked like his freaking foot fell off, you know. And I mean, it's, uh, that's that's um, partially why I would be totally cool with him coming back this season. I know people are saying he shouldn't, but I think maybe he should not to be. I think he should be at the deep end of the bench if he's capable of playing. Yeah, even if he doesn't play right, if he, if he just played limited minutes, I mean, think of that. I think it's a good idea for him to play even a little bit. Let's say let's say he plays, like comes back, you know, end of March, beginning of April, right? Even if he only played a little bit, even if he wasn't like going to play a huge role, just to for, so that he can go into next year and say, oh look, I can play on this, and my head is clear from the fact that yes, I was injured, but I, I could play on it. So that next year he goes into training camp completely, you know, headstrong that he's one hundred percent. Because until you actually get out and do stuff, you you don't really know that you're you're healed, yeah. right? You know, but that's the whole reason why I wanted to play basketball after I broke mine because I I just wanted to know that I could still do mm-hmm. it. You know, it's it's a huge. The mental thing is is almost just as difficult as the physical physical part. Yeah, I would really like to see him come back. And like I said, I think garbage time minutes would be fine. You know, just just let him get some some time on the floor, let him regain some confidence, and kind of go from there. If he's playing at the level right. that he was last year. He can build right now. Star right. level, then if yep. he's able, give him more minutes if you if you really want to. But we don't need his contributions right now. I mean, it'll obviously be a huge boost. Yeah, I think Al Horford said that today, also saying, well, "Imagine what we're going to be like when Gordon Hayward is back." But you know, we don't need his contribution right now, and so to let him ease back into it, which we're capable of doing with the way that this roster is shaking out right now, it would be great. No, thousand percent, I agree. So I do want to talk about that then, the players that have helped create this this record that we've built. And that's been a handful of guys, most notably Kyrie, Al Horford, and I would say Jason Tatum as well has been really significant in, in this, along with so many other guys. But at least Kyrie and Horford are ranking top 25 in the league. Break down kind of that list for us of where they kind of fall among the league's best. So... Right now, we're looking at there's a, there's a couple different lists of I guess it's the uh, the NBA's top twenty five right and now is this you know top of the list we're looking at guys like Harden, LeBron James, Anakumpo, Steph Curry, our man Kyrie's right in the mix there. Durant, Lamarcus Aldridge came came back and is having a monster year, and then it's Anthony Davis, Embiid, Horford. Horford's pretty got to be pretty close to the top ten, right? I would say so. It just, I mean, and, and he doesn't light up the scoreboard every night, but doing everything that he does, right? Mm-hmm. I, I mean, he's taking a huge step since last year. I was talking to one of my friends who's got him in, in fantasy, and I, I don't, I know that he's not like a fantasy stalwart. Like, he's not a guy who's going to give you tons of stuff. Although, I mean, against Detroit, he dominated in every aspect of the game. But mm-hmm. you, he's a guy who brings so much intangible, so much to the game, so much to the team with his ability to anchor the defense in the paint, with his ability to handle the ball at the top of the key, with his ability to spread the floor and give space to people who can't necessarily shoot. It, it pulls defenders off of guys like Tatum, guys like Brown, guys like Marcus Smart, who is shooting career high from three, at unfortunately at like 35%, but still. Part of that is because he's getting such good looks, which is, you know, I mean, those don't show up in the stat sheet for Al Horford, but that is mm-hmm. something that's making it possible for this team to be as good as it is alongside Kyrie Irving, who obviously is more prolific and that's why he's probably higher on these lists, but I wouldn't necessarily say more valuable than Horford is. I agree. It's the things that he does. It's, it's a lot of it goes under the radar and I don't think he gets anywhere near as much credit as he should for what he does on the defensive end too. To look at these lists. Sorry, keep going. No, no, no. I, I, I mean, he might not be like a huge stat guy. He, he's, he, he blocks some shots, sure, but I mean, he's not like he's not going to lead the league in it. But at the same time, uh, he, the way that he alters the way other people have to 
attack the basket. I mean, he's he's right up there with those guys. So comparative, like comparatively to guys like Lamarcus Aldridge, and you know, and we've talked about this earlier in the week about Anthony Davis, but I would put Horford above those two guys, Lamarcus, who is extremely valuable to the Spurs, and like you said, is having a monster year. I would still maybe it's just that I'm a Celtics fan, and so I. I'm putting my own opinion in there, but I would still put Horford above those two guys. I, it's tough to put him in the top five because there's just so much. Dark yeah, power. I mean, when you think yeah. about like Harden, LeBron, uh, Giannis, um, I have a Steph, KD, maybe you know, um, Kyrie. You, you can, I, but Kyrie can crack the list. The, pr- the problem with Kyrie is though he doesn't necessarily put up the numbers. That some of the guys put up. How do you mean? Right. Well, I mean, he scores, but at the same time, like he doesn't fill up all the other stats like some of the other guys do. Some of the other guys that we're talking about here. It's interesting how low Westbrook is. Speaking of that, I mean, to, looking at the, like the valuability of it, because he's he's now holds the record after last year for most triple doubles in a season and won mm-hmm. the MVP because of it. But still, these these lists don't rank him above. He's not top ten in either of these lists. Yeah. So how valuable yeah, I mean, are those stats? Not, it's not like he was a prolific shooter before. I mean, he kind of had a lot of volume there. And, and obviously that's got a lot to do with the two new bodies he's got with Anthony and um, Paul George, mm. too. I mean, he's not dominating the ball as as much as he was. You'd think that would raise his shooting percentages, though. Well, you would think. But, you know, I mean, I, I don't think that Westbrook was – he was never really an elite shooter. He's a, He's just kind of a volume guy, right? He gets hot at times. You know, and he does a lot of things good. I'm not, I'm not trying to tear him down too much. But at the same time, I don't think that he's necessarily as good when he's playing with better players, uh, if yeah, that makes possi- sense. I mean, he's shooting. It's his worst shooting percentage in his career. The next worst was right. his rookie season. So mm-hmm. I, I guess that's possible. But, you know, you look at when he was playing alongside Kevin Durant, they were a top four team in the West. And they were they were pushing right. pretty far, and we alongside was it? It wasn't Ibaka who was still there, but two years ago, before Kevin Durant left, they were on almost in the finals. You know, I mean, I wouldn't say that he's necessarily yeah, they, bad. But they had that series; they were up three to two on on. Um, yeah, Golden and so State, I think no? they're up three one. I thought, but I could oh, be yeah, you're wrong. Right, you're right. But, it was three one. You know the. Uh, Think so. That I would say was a more talented team overall than what the Thunder have now, where now they've bolstered their starting lineup, but everything else is a lot weaker. Right, and we talked about this too, but we've talked about this a bunch of times about the depth there and, and what a problem that was going to cause. Yeah, so I mean, I guess to compare this to Kyrie and to bring it back to the Celtics, how for you, because I mean, the shooting percentage is part of it, but is that so, is the shooting percentage so valuable that that's what jumps you 10 spots on a list of, of top 10 players or because Westbrook's down below 10 in each list. Yeah. I mean, I, I think, I, I mean, obviously even if Kyrie's not putting up the same scoring numbers or whatever, he's, he would still be, I mean, the shooting percentage, he's quarterbacking the best team in the NBA right now in terms of record. Right. Um, I think that plays into it a little bit too. The Thunder are kind of, I don't even know where the Thunder are at, but they're in the middle out west, right? What are they, the sixth seed they, right now? They've been middling, yeah. It's, it's been, a lot of people have been very surprised by by how the Thunder are doing. Well, I mean, I mean, they kind of figured that they would get off to a, a somewhat rocky start, but it just doesn't seem like they've quite even started to figure out, you know, what should be happening at the end of games and whatnot. Uh, you know, it, it's it's kind of a strange thing. It's, it's, it's Westbrook's team. You bring in two guys that were the top dogs on their teams when they came. Obviously, I, I think they're a team probably better built for the playoffs, but at the same time, they're going to need some more pieces, right? Yeah. Yeah, I would definitely say that. But, I mean, as of this recording, they're sitting under 500 at 12 and 13, which for people pegging them as a uh, you know, two or three seed in the West is, you know, this is so far off from what people were expecting from them. Whereas, you know, the, the Rockets, they haven't lost a game that Chris Paul has played in. And mm-hmm. now they're holding on to the longest win streak in the NBA after the Cavs was snapped. So it's it's kind of just like a tale of two teams of like how they kind of approached free agency and, and all that stuff, draft night, things of that nature. And the Rockets who went for Chris Paul and to build a more deep team and then the Thunder who went all in on a starting lineup. And it's 
proving with the Thunder outside of the playoff picture and the Rockets first in the West. Have they played the Warriors yet? The Rockets? Yeah. Wasn't that early on? Didn't they play them? I think they... Was that opening night? Yes. That's that's cool. I, I didn't... I totally forgot about that game. That seems like a like years ago. They, but I think with you know these teams bringing in stars and just bringing in guys to bring them in, obviously you want to get the talent, but they've like built a team and then brought a star into a, a team that was already like a top three team out West. Do you think that this list is missing any other Celtics? Do you think anybody else should fall in the top 25? Ooh, 25? Uh, I don't know. But I mean, I mean, some of the guys like, wait, wait, who do you got? You know, I, I'm not ready to say Tatum yet, but we've had discussions among Celtics, among Celtics life writers. We have, we've had discussions about him being the third best Celtic. And yeah. his contributions to the team. But I, I wish that he was on there. I mean, I'm wearing my Tatum jersey right now. I wish I could say that he's top 25, but I, you know, he's he's not there yet. But he's got he's the best three point shooter in the NBA right now at like 52 at a clip. It's great. Now it's supposed to be a, a downside there. He struggled from three, mm-hmm. right? That's laughable now. And no small sample size at this point. I mean, and the thing is, and the coolest thing about him is like he he plays good. But even if he struggles during the game, it's like the end of the game comes around and all of a sudden like the switch turns on. And it's like, you know, it, he's he's he makes the shots at the end of the game. He has he's not afraid to do anything. And for a rookie, I mean, it's awesome to see. Yeah, it was the Warriors game, I think, where he iced it with those those free throws at the end. And he he was so confident. He just thanked, yeah. he stepped up, knocked down two free throws in you know, a huge moment. And yeah, I he's gonna be a good player. He's gonna Nails. Be the guy's awesome. awesome. Yeah. Hey, you know what one of my buddies was pointing out too? We were watching the game the other day. I don't remember which game it was. It was last week. This was towards the end of the game. It was one of those games, it was kind of close. And like, even though he's so big and he's so long, like he at the end, like when he needs to get to the bucket, he's not worried about dunking on somebody. But he uses his length to like go around guys and he's going close to the basket. Maybe there's like two guys coming up and he uses like his extra length to like make some weird moves to the hoop, just, you know, lays the ball in or, or does some funky maneuver around the rim to score. And it's like, he's not worried about being flashy or just like whatever it takes, whatever crazy, you know, shifty maneuver he has to use with his long arms to get the ball in the hoop. He does it. And then like, Kind of, kind of cool to see that kind of maturity from somebody who's a rookie. Yeah. You know? No, I, I really, I, I'm really impressed with with how he's handled himself. The only thing, and the only like rookie, he just doesn't hold on to the ball a lot of times when he's driving, and mm-hmm. sometimes yeah, yeah, I that's I think my only complaint for Jason Tatum mm-hmm. is he gets stripped a lot as he's as he's driving. But and then there's probably a, a, a you know tough thing for a guy who's tall and long like that too you know yeah that that but. comes with experience that's why i say it's a rookie thing just like he needs to learn how to protect the ball but you know in college he can probably just force his way in and you come to the nba among the best defenders and you can't just yeah. walk into the lane and expect you're gonna be able to put up a, a layup and you just use your athleticism sure. and I, I don't think he does i just think it's you know part of the right thing. yeah no but it's something he'll learn and then sure. it's something that stan van gundy said before the game tonight where he said that he expected this from Tatum to be as good as he has been because he thought he was the most polished in the draft. And among mm-hmm. Lonzo Ball and uh, Kid out of, uh, Markel, Markel Fultz, Fultz, yeah, that's how bad he's been doing. Is that we don't even remember his name? <laughs> we don't even remember his yeah, name among those two who were like these incredibly highly touted prospects who came in before Tatum, as far as the draft order went. And you got coaches around the league who right now are agreeing that yeah. Tatum is probably the best pick in the draft right now. I think that's the best guy. Yeah. And then the conversation, I mean, Josh Jackson is looking solid, but like, yeah, it's a, it's a night and day comparison between the two. Yeah. Yeah. It's not, not on the level. So, you know, then you've got, I mean, Simmons, who's dominating the, the rookie of the year conversation, mm-hmm. but that's, you know, it's separate draft, but yeah. Finally, Julio Okafor was traded. Mm-hmm. Brooklyn, does this shake up your Eastern standings at all? Does this give? I, I don't think it changes anything for Philly, but do you think this makes Brooklyn better? Um, no, I, I don't know how much better it makes them. I, I think it's possible. Um, you know, I, but there's a reason that why Okafor wasn't really playing in Philly. Uh, he's only really good on one side of the ball, mm-hmm. and he's only really good from within like ten feet. So while I think there's a lot of promise there, and if you could get him to play on the defensive side of the ball, I mean, he's got the size. 
but I mean, I guess that remains to be seen, right? The actual deal was Philly sending Okafor, obviously, Nick Stauskas, and a second round pick for Trevor Booker. Mm -hmm. So considering they were asking for like a first rounder in return initially, and Mm -hmm. got to this point, and seemingly the Celtics were laying off because of this high asking price. Right. Do you feel like we missed out? Um, not necessarily. I, I don't know that Okafor was a great fit for what the Celtics do. I, I mean, I would have liked to roll the dice on him, but I don't, you know, I mean, what young players would we have had to throw in that deal, right, to get him? I, you know, it's questionable considering maybe I, and we've talked about how maybe GMs are skeptical to trade with Danny Ainge because they don't want to be the next Billy King. Mm-hmm. Right. And it seems like maybe there was a, a reluctance to make a trade with, with the Celtics that would be comparable to this because they'd be worried it would be like that, that Brooklyn trade. Obviously we're not going to get like unprotected. But if all of a sudden Okafor turned into a stud, then, you know, yeah. So maybe yeah. the asking price was higher for the Celtics or something. I'm not sure, but I, you know, I, I don't think that we would have necessarily had to give up a young player. And obviously if we did, Danny Ainge didn't pull the trigger because, probably because of that but i wouldn't be surprised to see like a maybe a second round pick from us and someone like i don't know Baines one of the two-way guys or something yeah i could yeah, do that Baines or morris i don't know that, that would probably be something but, I, I, well even still though i i think that brooklyn's uh second rounder holds a lot more value than ours would granted that there's you know could be in the top 10 of the second round, whereas ours will likely be at the end, right? Well, so Philly didn't get a second round. Philly sent a second round. They only got Trevor Booker. Oh, really? Yeah, it was Stauskas, Okafor, and a second rounder for Trevor Booker. Oh, wow. They didn't get any picks. They just got rid of Okafor, and they got Trevor Booker out of it. Oh, hey. Well, good for them. It's I, Well, that's the thing. It's, like, it's, so, it's the exact opposite of what they seem to be asking for. It's yeah, 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 yeah. I... I question the Sixers front office yeah well I mean they're, they're, they've been known to roll the dice I mean they're, they certainly they rolled the dice a little bit with the Markel Fultz thing although that seemed like a slam dunk right but maybe it wasn't such a slam dunk <laughs> now that we look back <laughs> I wonder if Danny Ainge knew that this is a conversation for a different podcast but I wonder if Danny Ainge knew that what do you mean that he that, that, that he shoulder them? issue oh you mean the, the, the banged up shoulder I mean that's, I, I don't know how he would have known though, right? I mean, how would he have found that out? Right. I, I, I see, I think more more likely like, I mean, after years and years of drafting point guards and whatnot, I think maybe he was set at the position and was like, look, I really like this kid. I mean, he said from, from his words, and we won't get too deep into this, but I mean, he just liked the talent that Tatum has. And with the Celtics looking to add all this length and everything, I mean, so far it looks like it worked out. We get the best defense in the league right now, the, the, the length, I mean, trying to match up with golden state, right? Yeah. Another point guard kind of would have been redundant. Yep. Yeah, I agree. Still the, the Sixers went all in on this. I mean, you, you mm-hmm. said they were definitely hoping for a slam dunk, but you know, we have a chance at another lottery pick this year, the Lakers, if that <laughs> do what it does. And then, you know, Sacramento, I don't know what they're going to be looking like next season, but, you know, it's Either way, for... we could be looking at uh, right. I mean, you certainly bet. I mean, the Lakers ending up in the bottom two for two through five is is a is a long shot. But at the same time, Sacramento being not very good the following season is not much of a long shot. Yeah. I mean, like, oh man, good bet, I'd say. Well, so let's talk about the team as we're playing now and we'll get to kind of the recent games in a bit there's we've done conspiracy theory podcasts we've talked about our boy little b it's been awesome he's blessed jalen brown and he said that the celtics were gonna be a sweet team this year and guess what we're a sweet team this year coincidence yeah what do you think i i don't know man i'm i don't go against the base god man that was uh that's a uh I'll I'll take it. <laughs> I'd certainly rather him on our side than against us. Yeah, and so far it's working. Did he, did he curse James Harden? Did that happen, or did he just threaten to? Uh, I think he just threatened it. No, I don't think he actually brought it down. All right, cool. Because I want to say that nobody has ever lived through the little. Yeah, right. 
and I may be mistaken, but I think we're the first little B blessing. Hey, maybe. So yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't remember ever blessing anybody else. So do they sew banner eighteen? How do they make the banners? Do they sew them? <laughs> I don't know, man. I never got that close to one. <laughs> we could, we should just. I think we can start selling it, or making it, or building it. There start making that Put it up. rings. If we win the championship this year, should we give a ring to Little B? I think you should get one for sure. All right, cool. Works for me. Uh, part of talking about Jalen Brown, dude is rocking the spectacles and looks pretty snazzy. Yeah, Horace Brown Jr. There, right? Horace Horace Grant. <laughs> I'm getting kind of the. Uh, is it was Wilt the one who had the glasses? I think Wilt's, Wilt did, yeah, and uh, Kareem. Yeah, Kareem's the one I'm thinking of. Any of the similar hair? Kareem's, Kareem's the one that I, I think Wilt may have worn them before, but Kareem is the one you're thinking of with the with the glasses yeah. there. And probably a uh, similar hairstyle, mm-hmm. right? <laughs> Not quite the flat top. But. Still similar enough. Yeah, I right. think it's affecting his game slightly, though, which I, I can't imagine like having to force on glasses after never playing with glasses. I feel like that'd throw me off, too. But since he's been wearing them... Um, I didn't get a chance to watch the Spurs game, but at least against the Piston. Well, he had a good he had a good game on on so Friday. He did do well against um, the, the Spurs. Yeah, he did. He did. But yeah, tonight it was funny too. My watching the game with my buddy, and he says, "Oh, dude, what happened to Jalen? You know, with with the eye." And I was explaining what happened, and then he like totally bricked the first free throw, like front rimmed <laughs> it because he was like, "Doesn't that isn't that going to bother him?" And it was like bang like two seconds later and i was like oh i guess so well he also fell over twice you know he did like two spin moves and then lost his his balance both times went down probably nothing to do with the glasses but seems kind of suspicious you know yeah and i would i would think that it would bother you more so not necessarily with the shooting because i mean you're looking straight ahead right but like your peripheral vision Mm -hmm. right don't you think that the glasses would affect that a little bit i mean i'm sure they're designed not to but at the same time it's yeah because those ones they're like crazy tight and yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, actually, I, I don't know. I, I don't know. I've, like I said, I, I can't imagine it. I feel like it should be really inconvenient. Yeah, I, I've never played with the goggles, so I, I can't can't even com- comprehend it. Similarly, Kyrie finally took off the mask. This Pistons game was the first game without the mask, right? Yes. And he was awesome in the mask and had one of his worst games. I say, like, just, like, in terms of, like, points. Like, I don't think he broke 20 for, like, the first time. In a while. Yeah, he only had 16 tonight, right? Yeah, but he still had like a good game. It's still obviously was. But I mean, the whole offense was awful tonight. I mean, yeah. geez, that was, and that Detroit defense is pretty good, regardless of the last games that they've lost. They're kind of middle of the pack, but they're like a tough, they're like a weird matchup, right? With, they got a lot of, they got Drummond, obviously, patrolling the paint, and then they've got Avery. Yeah, and um, I, I give Avery a lot of credit because he's always been, do, he's always been a good defender on Kyrie. I mean, Kyrie still right. just finds a way to make stuff work, but. A lot of times we'd see Bradley lock down Kyrie when he was with yeah. I mean, we saw him do it right last year. We saw him see him do it before. Um, mm-hmm. and, and not only that, too, like with him defending some of the other guys, you got to figure he knows how to defend a lot of these guys, right? So mm-hmm. he played against how many times he played against Marcus Smart, Terry Rogier in practice. And, you know, he's familiar with all these guys. He knows their tendencies. I, I You kind of got to give – like if somebody's a really good defender versus a really good guy on offense, if they know each other's games really well, the defender kind of has an advantage, right? Because he, you know, you know, to to decide the moves this guy that you're playing against on offense likes to do, probably be easier to stay with, you know, than than deciding what this defender is going to do, right? You know, and I'm sure, and I'm sure you're right, and we should give Bradley credit for Kyrie's bad night, but no mask, and he shoots thirty three percent. Yeah. Just got to say, no mask, and he scores under 20, only three assists. Got to rip Hamilton, put their mask back on. I know, just got to say it. It just <laughs> seems a little fishy. We'll give him a few <laughs> a games strange. before we go, go, go off on him, though. This is like his first game since the middle of November that he shot in the 30% range. Yeah. Well, the whole offense was awful tonight, though. And, and it's his bad. worst. Yeah, but still, his worst shooting night since... November sixteenth. I think the, I think the whole team shot like forty percent, forty one percent for the night. Yeah, yeah. And, and you can credit. I'm not sure what the, what that was about, but yeah, it was it was a rough offensive night. 
but still just gotta say conspiracy theories little b first <laughs> and then the the mask off Kyrie mask is off better Kyrie. With yeah he's a hero that we need yep <laughs> similarly uh tice actually had a pretty good game as well mm-hmm. and was actually extending his range he was he was knocking down some some mid mid-range jumpers and stuff and yeah, and he's, it, I like seeing him get in there and shoot those because he was struggling from three the last week or two, um, taking a lot of open threes and breaking them. So it's yeah. nice to see him settle in the mid-range, take some shots, get some confidence back. You know, I know he can shoot from the outside, but he has been horrid from out there lately. Yeah. So it's it's nice to, you know, hit some shots, get your confidence back, and then, you know, so hopefully he can stretch the floor a little bit more. But Do you, do you think he should have more minutes? I mean, I know we have Morris missing right now. Yeah, but... I mean, I, I I think I think he's going to play certain matchups. He's going to he's going to play more depending on who we're playing, right? So guys that we need him um, for the extra length and the extra, you know, I mean, obviously he's a he's a he's a bulldog on defense too. So uh, you know, he he was he played against Harris a lot tonight. I think he had a pretty good amount of success. Although I think Harris. Led the Pistons with, I think he had 18 or something like that, 19 points. But I'm uh, using a guy like that to make it difficult. I, Morris is a good defender too, but um, you know when you got to throw guys at him and, and throw some fouls around and stuff like that, I, I, he's he's earning his minutes for sure. Larkin also has been playing pretty solid too. He's had limited minutes, but when he gets on the floor, he actually does a pretty good job. Yeah, and, and he comes into the game and he's like, he seems seasoned. I mean, it, even though he's... You know, he's only he's played in the NBA for a few years. He went overseas, but he comes into the game and like he doesn't take it off the rails. Like he's very plays within himself. You know, I mean, we, he's had some pretty good scoring nights too. But uh, yeah, he's controlled. Yeah, and, and and there's not really anything that he's terrible at. He's I mean, he's a decent defender. You know, he can kind of do everything. Like Semi also has been pretty sick as well, and had that sweet Euro step this uh, during this game tonight, which was awesome. Yeah, he's. He, I mean, he's. I thought he'd be a good defender, but and you know, early on. But I mean, he's played a lot more than even I thought he would have at this point. I've been really pleased with him. I, yeah, I think he's awesome. He's been. Sweet. I mean, he's, three yeah, of these guys are great, but like he's, you know, he's uh, he's he's developing some offensive game. I don't know if we. I mean, yeah, obviously, I'll take any offense we can get, but you know, it's it's fun to get that punch from him because. It's something that we don't necessarily need a lot of times, and he's definitely not the guy that we go to off the bench. Normally, it's Terry, right, or maybe Marcus, um, depending on who's on the floor. He's like the tenth guy, really. Yeah, he's he's deep down in in the rotation chart as far as offense goes. But when he can pack it in there with like a euro step like that one, or when he can start hitting the three ball, it's really sweet, and it's a huge boost when he's the one who's able to to get that going. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I've been really excited about that. And I'm hopeful that he can kind of jumpstart that offense. They can get, you know, a little bit better on the offensive end, maybe a little more comfortable. But again, so many of the guys, these are so young. You know, yeah. all these guys are like so new to the NBA and the NBA landscape. But I mean, he keeps playing defense at that level and he can hit some three pointers. I mean, dude, that's, that's, that's yeah. solid. A guy that deep on your bench. Yeah, no, that'll be, that'll be sweet. I'm really excited if he can kind of transition that game over on the offensive end. But like I said, I don't know if we even need it. You know, it's, it's right, just right at this point. Get it. Do you think that we should even be considering Anthony Davis as a trade target anymore with all these rumors flying around? I don't know if they're big rumors, but just he's always like a trade discussion and the Celtics are always linked to big names mm-hmm. as far as trades go. But do you think he's even an option that we should think about? See, I, I, I've been even even last year. I was like tired of the Anthony Davis stuff because it's it's just like, I mean, it, it's we we had a good team last year, but I mean, we didn't really have any delusions of oh, this team is you know like we didn't really actually think we were going to win the title last year. But this year, it's like our team is is off the charts. We're missing Gordon Hayward. We know we're really set up for like next year, the year after. Although this year, as of this point, I don't see why we can't contend with anybody, right? But it's always this Anthony Davis stuff, and it's like I don't know. Personally, I'm tired of it. I don't. I don't really. I don't really care. I, I mean, 
if if we traded for Anthony Davis, what are what are we giving up? What are we talking? Horford, we're going to lose Jalen or Jason Tatum. I, I don't know. That's I I wouldn't even bother personally. Yeah. I don't think it's worth the get, you know, of what we'd have to give yeah. to get him. And yeah, I I like him. I think he's a good player. And this goes back to what I was saying in the top ten. I don't think he falls in the top ten anymore. In part because mm-hmm. he's just he's. You look at like the anatomy. I remember when we traded for Kyrie. Someone like put a picture of him dribbling, and then it circles around all of his injuries that he had. And it was like kind of alarming how much, how many times yeah. he'd been injured. But that list for Anthony Davis, and they're not insignificant injuries. These aren't like thumb fractures right. or, you know, like a calf strain things like that. These are like he's ripped his ACL. He's he's been out for seasons at a time. You know, he's he's had all these these really catastrophic injuries and. Big men, that's not sustainable for big guys. You know that that can affect their their later career when it starts to maybe ache a little bit more and affect mm-hmm. the later game. And so, you know, I mean, I love Anthony Davis. I think he's a great player. I think he's a star. But to have to trade so much to get him would just not be worth it for me. So I don't think unless for some reason New Orleans is asking for nothing, you know. Ask- yeah, I mean, well, I mean, not nothing, but at the same time, like like not one of our young guys. You know, like I don't know. I just feel like the package would be just too much to get ditch. This kind of, I think, segues into the conversation of who do you think is the most responsible for the Celtics doing as well as they have this season? Is it the the roster and the players and the talent that we have? This this young core of really elite role players, as one of our writers had put into a post recently, or is it you know the coaching staff and Brad Stevens and kind of this culture that he's instilled? among the players. I think it's hard to not think it's Brad, the coaching staff. And <laughs> like look, every year they've, they've been better than anybody thought they were going to be. Right. Like every year that he's, he's been here, even the first year when we weren't great, like they still competed like all the time. Mm-hmm. Right. It's a winning culture. His winning culture has attracted these other players that we've gotten through free agency, through trade. And the guy actually wanted to play here in Kyrie. Um, we attracted two of the top free agents the last two years. We got the the best free agent this year in Hayward, right? Mm-hmm. And last year we got the second best free agent. Almost got Kevin Durant too. I mean, that that what does that say about what's being put together by Brad Stevens here, right? Well, I mean, and, and Danny Age too. So, but I mean, what, like just seeing what these guys do on the floor, though, right? I would say that. Brad Stevens is absolutely the reason that the Celtics are as good as they are. And I've had debates with, with friends about this, about how important a coach is to an NBA team and an NBA roster. And I pointed to the Hawks, the 60 win Hawks team. What was it? Four years ago. Now I pointed to that in my argument, I pointed to the Spurs, which sure talent is its own thing with the Spurs, but he's coached Greg Popovich, I should say has coached, you know, average players and, and develop them into really, really impressive players, you know, and, and then you have coaches, middling coaches who can't do a lot with a ton of talent, you know, example of Tyron Liu or maybe even Frank Vogel when he had that, mm-hmm. that Pacers team. And I think he did a good job with that team, but it just fell off so quickly, even though the talent didn't. So, you know, I, I think the coaching is so valuable to that. And this comes kind of in light of Felger and Maz saying that, you know, Brad Stevens has nothing to do with why the team is at the time 18 and four and Wick taking mm-hmm. a big issue with that. But I, I was curious to kind yeah. of get your thoughts on that of, of whether it's the team, the players or the coaching staff. And I, I would agree that I think it's the coach more than anything else, but yeah, I mean, and, and I think, and I think obviously you can see the difference in the teams. Obviously this team is much better than the, any team that we've had before so far, but with Stevens under the helm and you can see every team that he's had has been better based on the talent, right? So last year's team was better than any team before that. And we think this year's team is more talented than last year's team, or at least right. It's at, at so far, it seems that way. Um, and every year it's because the talent has gotten better, right? Yeah. So, and his team has improved every year. So he's steering the ship in the right direction. He's getting good, obviously better players. So the team is improving, but to the culture and just the, you know, these, these guys go out and expect to win and he expects them to play hard every night and, and they do. And I mean, that goes a long way. Yeah. 
and I think that shows in in the the games and the performance of the players. I think, and I did say that when I was asking you of like how much is the culture that Stevens has implemented go into this? Because and th- that's where I maybe question the value of a coach in the NBA versus in like college is the game time decisions. Because I think ultimately then it does come down to, to talent if your guys can perform in the moment. But I think the culture in how guys go into games, how guys go into adversity, how guys fight back in those situations, how they come out of timeouts, how they come out of halftime. I think that comes down to the coach. And I think that is what separates, you know, extremely talented teams that are obviously going to win games from the Mm -hmm. dynasties, like the one that Greg Popovich has created because he's created this culture literally in the sense of that he requires his players to go around San Antonio and like go to orchestra performances and write essays about the things that they see around the the city and the the people they meet and stuff. It's like he forces them to immerse themselves in the community and stuff and, and forces a culture Mm -hmm. and everybody who walks through those doors, whether they're just a person that they pick up as a trade chip or whatever it works, they have to go through all this process. And I think it goes a long way on the floor when it actually comes to, to push and shove when they're playing basketball. So I would, I would agree. I think Brad Stevens is invaluable to this team and the success that we've had. And when you hear some of the comments that like Popovich makes about Stevens, including the other day after we played them, like he, you can tell we're on the right track. We've got a guy when he's so glowing about our coach, you know, that, you know, that's definitely got to be. The mm-hmm. case. It's across the, the board too. It's not just guys like Stevens. Stan Van Gundy said after the game mm-hmm. that, the Celtics are a championship caliber team. You've got, and I, I was really pleased with that. Cause I, I still think we're, you know, maybe without Gordon Hayward, we're a piece away. Maybe without, you know, I, I think we're outgunned by teams like golden state and in some right. capacity Cleveland, but the coaching, I think will make that difference. And that will kind of, I, I don't know if we're a championship team yet, but to hear that from another coach, a guy who is as seasoned and as, as veteran, as Dan Van Gundy is from that coach. Yeah, Yeah. for sure. Let's, let's take a look at the breakdown of of this past week, three in one week, San Antonio, Greg Popovich, the only loss coming at the hands of the vet, the old guy. (laughs) Uh, We'll start with Milwaukee. Start back at the beginning of the week. 111, 100 Celtics and big games from a lot of guys all around. Walk us through it. Giannis dropped 40 on us, right? Kyrie, 32. Horford had 20 and 9. A lot of guys in double figures too, right? Tatum, 17. Middleton dropped 19. Eric Bledsoe has been pretty solid. I mean, Giannis is going to get his, right? It's yeah. pretty hard to stop him. Yeah, well, so the Bucks, and, you know, they they are a piece away. And they're, they're just, they've got Giannis, who's insane, and the athleticism is stupid. Mm-hmm. And the fact that he can put up 40, I think he could do that any night of the week. Yeah. And it it's just that this was all around a really good team effort from, you know, so many guys. But you had Baines who had 10. You had, like you said, the other the other guys with their points and stuff and their contributions. But just all around, everybody was really clicking on all cylinders for the Celtics, Kyrie especially with those 32. But it was a fun game to watch. And, mm-hmm. you know, against, I think, I would put Milwaukee as the third best team in the East. Yeah. And I think when it's all said and done, maybe they are not, the, they might not be the three C, but that doesn't mean they're not the third best team in the East. Yeah. As far as like talent and stuff goes, I think they're third best. Yeah, right. You know, I'm talking like, I'm talking like, like seating wise, you know, like Toronto and Washington, we know they're going to end up around there, especially Toronto. They've been playing pretty good there. I think they're second right now, right? No, I think Cleveland is Cleveland with that like crazy win streak. Yeah, yeah. So even if Milwaukee doesn't finish third, I still think they're the third best team. Yeah. If that makes sense. Yeah, no, I, I and I would, I would agree with that. But, you know, we, we had, and this goes to another coach. I, I don't think of Jason Kidd as a, as a high coach, but talking about the players that we've had, he said, quote, I think his mannerisms are just one that you can't see if he's rattled or not. His composure is at a very high level to be only 19, referring to Jason Tatum. Oh. And... That goes to what I was saying early on of like, this kid, yeah, he's 19. He's <laughs> pretty matured for a 19-year-old rookie. He hasn't even beaten teenage pregnancy yet. 
He could still be. He could be a father. <laughs> could be a father. <laughs> it's possible. It's unreal. Yeah. Kid is nineteen. So yeah, to get that respect, and and he proved it that night against against the the Bucks, yep. and all around, I think just a really impressive performance from the entire team. And then we go on to Dallas, where and Luis pointed out, I think we play down to our opponents a lot yes. of times. Yes. And this felt like one of those games. Though Dallas has been playing well lately, and they've got some good players, but just all mm-hmm. around it, they uh, the second time that they played. They, the second time they played us tough in the last few weeks, too. Yeah, um, we had overtime win over them in Dallas a couple weeks ago. Um, you know, for whatever reason, they're they, they're either it's Luis is right and it's it, we play down to our opponents, which could very well be the fact, or it, they're just a weird matchup for us. Do you think uh, Rick Carlisle has our number? You think he just like? Plays I think he's. Well? I, I think he's one of the better coaches in the NBA. So I mean, you know, tough guy to uh, game plan against, but. I mean, I, I I don't know what it is about them that's so difficult. So it, maybe it is just a case of us playing down. I, I guess they have a lot of different guys, and you don't know who's going to do what. So it's not really a team that you can focus on just one guy. I mean, they have Harrison Barnes. Dirk's not quite what he was. Well, he'll so, still give you. He'll still be. He's a threat, though. You know, I mean, you no, can no, no, certainly still a threat. But I mean, right? He, I mean, he's not you know the MVP, Dirk, but. I, I think it's, you know, they, they spread it around. That's the thing that makes Dallas a little bit difficult is they have so many different guys that are, are good players that it's it you kind of don't know what's, who's going to do what every night, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, so it was Tatum's second consecutive 17-point game. It also finished with double-double. Horford almost had a triple-double, 17-8-8. And, yeah, a lot of contributions, but just, it was tough. You know, it was just a tough, hard-fought game that yeah it just didn't feel like we were really winning you know and it yep. did come down to the to the end but it was still just like it didn't feel good yeah no it was it, it was close until the last few minutes i mean the 97 90 it, it was closer than that up until the last couple minutes of the game yeah and it took a 15-2 run from the celtics to actually win it i mean we were right not like we were just in control this entire time it's not like we we're being bothered by a pesky mavericks team it's that they were you know, they, they were winning were taking us on, most yeah. of the game. Yeah. Well, we stayed in Texas, picked up our one loss of the week against the Spurs. And like I said, Manu came through with the clutch three. And then Kyrie almost tied it, like, oh, right after. God. Yeah, that was, that. I mean, it was a sweet game. You know, I watched it afterwards, but it was a sweet game. And yeah, it was just tough, tough to swallow because a good team like the Spurs and then to get that from Ginobili. It's just vintage Ginobili, but it's just unfortunate, you know, it's just tough to watch. Yeah. And that's the Spurs minus their best player. Granted, yeah. I mean, how much love loss can we have? When we're missing our second best player, but you know, arguably. Yeah. I was going to say, we'll, we'll talk about that later, but, <laughs> but yeah, but uh, yeah, even, even without him, that's a, that's a hell of a matchup. That Spurs team is, is pretty good. And like we said, Aldridge has been rolling this year kind of taken under his wing like he's the guy with Kawhi out and I mean he's he's played really well I was talking about that with my friends because they were telling me that actually even Justin believes that LaMarcus is washed maybe maybe that's changed I guess I'm talking for Justin and I probably Mm -hmm. shouldn't be but since he brought up that he wasn't happy with how he was played last season with the Spurs Mm -hmm. and Popovich said you know one he came to me to have this conversation and two, we're going to figure out what, what to do differently. He's been dominant. He's been killing it this year. And yeah, been... you know that it's just they, they kind of figured out what they need to do to make him be able to kind of fit into this offense. And that's scary for when Kawhi mm-hmm. gets back. You know, that they're still, I think they're the fourth seed in the West right now, maybe third. You know, they, they haven't had Kawhi. They've only had really, as far as stars go, they've only really had LaMarcus. And everybody wanted to hand Golden State like that Western Conference crown, like they were they were going to win it again this year. Mm-hmm. The, the whole NBA title, never mind. They've got to go through this Spurs team, which isn't even at full strength right now. That looks really good, and that Houston team that looks off the charts too. Yeah. So yeah, I I I don't I don't buy that. Yeah. <laughs> Just yeah, we'll see. All around, Lamarcus finished twenty seven ten. Rudy Gay, 15-8. Pau Gasol, double-double, 14-11. Tony Parker had 11-5 and 4 assists. And then Ginobili, obviously, with that huge three. But the Celtics had 
you know, good game from a lot of guys. It was a really fun game to watch. It was and, a really fun game to watch. Yeah, that was yeah, that was, was a really good basketball game. Quite the outcome. Yes. All around. Kawhi is targeting, I think, Tuesday for his return. Mm-hmm. Tuesday, whatever the date is, December 12th, maybe. <laughs> um, and so that's, you know, do you think this is team, I, do we play to the level of our opponents? I feel like we just compete, you know, so like, regardless of who's playing, I think we're going to play, and I think every game we play is maybe close. I think we'd get baskets when we need them, but do you think Kawhi is going to push the Spurs like out of our level? Do you think that's going to make them contenders when we're still that step away? I don't know, because it'll be interesting to see how he gels with LaMarcus Aldridge. I mean, like we said, he's been playing out of his mind, and is that going to change when Kawhi comes back? Like, is he going to be relegated to a different role? I, I mean, it seems like they figured out how to use him. It just... I don't know how much it changes everything else. The thing with Kawhi is that the difference that he makes, I don't think of it for the offensive end. I think of it for his, his defensive presence. Yeah. And how he's like, he's a perennial defensive player of the year candidate, you know? Mm -hmm. And that is, I think that's how he makes an impact for the Spurs. To me, the offense is secondary and that would make it harder for us. You know, Tatum went off for 20, Jalen had 15. These guys that he would be defending, Kyrie had 36, and that's not someone that he'd be put on. But still, you know, our our, guard, our uh, small forwards were, you know, having their way. They might struggle against them, right? Yeah, because you know they're having their way with Kyle Anderson. Or actually, no, who was was it? Danny Green who was defending him. Um. Yeah, he got hurt in the game though too. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, there just wasn't a good defensive assignment for our our guard or our small forwards, especially our young guys. And so that mm-hmm. that would change that, I think, and make that harder to, to play against the Spurs. Yep. So, sure. and tonight against Detroit, you mentioned it a couple times, just an ugly, ugly offensive game yeah. for everybody. Yeah. Nobody looked good. And Kyrie actually didn't have a point in the fourth quarter, which was kind of rough. I'm telling you, it's the mask, or the lack thereof. <laughs> good be. Good be. Just makes sense. It's uh, our lowest total points in a game this season but is that right 81? yeah 81 wow or wait no that's uh pistons. 91 pistons lowest oh so holding them to 81 yeah yep oh that's awesome yep which is pretty cool especially because they've been a good team i mean they just had lost like six six straight but i guess that makes sense because i feel like we've held a bunch of teams to the 80s or at least a handful but 81 you really can't get any lower than that if you're still in the 80s <laughs> unless it was 80 points so. yeah yeah i mean i they're they're a good team. I, I like them. Do you think that they're legit, or do you think that this is more? Uh, well, now- I thought they were legit, but I, they've lost six in a row now. Yes, I believe that doesn't sound very legit. Could be chemistry. I know. Yeah. I know. All of Michigan hates Reggie Jackson. Yeah, they do. They they went off on him last year. He was over nine tonight. Over <laughs> nine. Yeah. <laughs> Two free throws. Oh my god. <laughs> I can't. I got the green envy after this, and I cannot wait to see what they said. <laughs> oh man, they cr- they killed that guy all last year. Every time we played him, yeah. So yeah, so they 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 do not like Reggie Jackson here in Michigan, and it you know I mean he and Drummond and there's there's frustration with Drummond too because the free throws are rough and sure. you know I mean he's better this year, but still only six points, which didn't come until like the third quarter, late third quarter. When he got they combined to go one for 15, one for 14. I'm yeah. sorry. Yeah. Drummond and, and Jackson. Yeah. <laughs> Drummond and Jackson. Yeah. When Anthony Tolliver is like one of your core. Yeah. Not yeah that's not, that's not good. Yeah, 15 points. Yeah. So you don't think they're legit then? I thought they, I thought they seemed legit because I thought they were a team that like, it was like a, all around, but I mean, they lost six games in a row. I mean, it, it seems like they've come back to down to earth, crashing pretty damn hard. Yeah, where do you put them in the playoff picture, if at all? At this point, I don't know. Borderline playoff team. They, they were what ninth last year, tenth, whatever. They were in the mix, but didn't didn't end up in the seed. Yeah, I think they were yeah, tenth behind I, the Heat they, last year. I'd say they're they're borderline. Huh. Interesting. I'll be a little more optimistic about that, but. Yeah, that's a conversation for later in the season, but still, it's it's just they're a good team and they match up with the Celtics well. You know, they 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 do they they do a good job against us because it's just so hard to contain Drummond, and we saw that mm-hmm. in the first game two weeks ago. Even still, despite he still had 15 rebounds tonight, so I exactly, mean, you know, he's still doing it. right. Yeah, I mean, he's still 
you know, a huge factor for their team, even when he's not doing anything on offense. So it just shows how valuable he is to that team and, and what he can do when he starts finding the bottom of the net. Because if yeah. anybody was hitting for the Pistons, if they had maybe started off a little bit stronger, I think it would have been a different game. Yeah. I mean, look at all these guys shooting. Tolliver, like you said, he shot 66%, and he's really the only guy on the team that had a good shooting night. Everybody else, 33, 20, 31, 0, 37, you know. Nobody else was over 40%. So One of my friends, because everyone around here is a Pistons fan, wants to start calling Tobias Harris Toby, kind of like the Kobe thing. Toby. Yeah. Toby. <laughs> so I kind of want to start that, you know, like bring that outside of Michigan to see what happens. Because I, I like that, you know, it's kind of fun. It's nice. He's, he's good. He's no, he's no, he Kobe, is. I mean, he's, he's certainly one of the best players on that team. I mean, next to Drummond, he's probably the second best player. Not Reggie Jackson. Wait, where do you put Avery Bradley? Ah, uh, well, that's true. Avery. All right. So I'm sorry. I forget Avery's on the team. So yeah, I don't know. I, he's, I, he's, I'd say him and Avery are 2A and 2B. I, I mean, they hate Reggie Jackson. They hate him for a reason. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he, had a, he had one really good year and then. <laughs> upcoming week what do you got prediction four games so what are we looking at we got chicago back to back tomorrow right yep should it win right <laughs> one of the worst teams in the nba we'll see if lewis is uh on par with his playing down to our opponents i can't imagine us losing that game but this obviously. is our first matchup with the bulls right yeah this year yes yeah. Of all time, we've never played the Bulls before. <laughs> never, never, <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah, no, no. First time this year, so they're five and twenty. I think they yeah, just won, so they're coming off a win. Ooh, coming off a high. Does that change your answer? We got to bring them back down to earth. Then we got Denver, which is a, should be a good, interesting game. What are they? Won five of the last ten. They're fourteen and eleven. So um, be tough. Yeah, they, I guess they're. It's. It's still a, a, a funky matchup, especially if Jokic plays. I guess he's got a banged-up ankle. But. Yeah. Well, so um, important distinction is that it's a home game. So mm-hmm. uh, playing Denver, they whenever you go to Denver, you always hear, oh, it's my yeah, eye. Right, you know, right. They're so much better. It's so hard to play in Denver. On- playing in Boston, yeah, so yeah. important to say that's, uh, that's in Boston. And then mm-hmm. on to Utah. It would have been the the uh, Gordon Hayward. Well, not the return game. It's in Boston, yeah. but his old boys. Yeah, so that's that would have I would have liked that. That'd have been a fun game, but they're also pretty banged up. So we got a relatively yeah. easy week as far as like teams go. They're sitting at the eighth in right. the West right now, and they've won six of their last ten. But they're a five hundred team at best, right? I mean, kind of. Yeah, and they've got is um who's their star? The is Stifle Tower. Gobert, right Rudy. Yeah, is Rudy hurt right now? I don't think so. Well, cool. Could yeah. be wrong. I, well, I need to pay more attention to the Western Conference in general. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's hard. I, I don't, I'm not really locked in over there right now. Yeah. That continues on to Memphis then, which should be. Yeah, so, so basically we're playing another, another game we should win, right? So Denver, the toughest game that we're playing this week, really. I mean, Utah's borderline playoff team, I guess, out West, how far the West has fallen in terms of the, the bottom half of that uh, playoff seating. But not a tough week by any standards, right? Yeah. No, I think I think it should be easier week than we've had in the past. I mean, no San Antonio. No, I don't think there are any like scary teams that we're facing this week. So it's, I think that goes a long way. But like you said, we got to make sure we don't play down. We'll see, we'll see how well uh, Luis's um, work this week, playing all these bum teams. Yeah, and we'll, we'll let you know what happens, what his thoughts are on all this stuff. <laughs> Yeah, we'll, get his, we'll get his response, reaction. What do you think? We'll get him on next week. Clean sweep, 4-0? I mean, yeah, I mean, uh, I would say anything worse than 3-1 and one is kind of a bad week, right? Yeah. Against these teams. Yeah. Right, I cool. mean, you could see him dropping one, you know, but it happens. But 3-1 and one is at worst, I would say. Yeah, no, I'll take that for sure. I'll, I'll agree with that, 4-0. Clean sweep. What does that move us to, 26? 26 wins? Yeah, Let's go for 27. Let's go for 27. All right, cool. Well, if it does happen, you'll be able to hear about it on the Celtics Life podcast and CelticsLife.com, which you should also check out all the links that are at the top of that page. We have a huge variety of shirts, hoodies, all kinds of stuff in our store. You can get tickets to all these riveting, fun games that we just talked about. 
at least two of them are at home, Denver and Utah. Both actually should be, of the matchups this week, should be fun games. Right, that's two. Yeah. You can also find the pod on Blog Talk Radio, iTunes, Stitcher, and most podcatcher apps. Plus, we'd really appreciate it if you subscribed and appreciate it even more if you hooked us up with a five-star rating. It helps us be seen by other podcast listeners and helps us out all around if you like what you hear. If you don't, maybe consider not rating us if you don't like what you hear and just reach out to us because we love your guys' perspectives. We love reaching out and hearing guys' comments on what you like, what you don't like, what we can do to improve. We're still a new podcast, not even a year old yet, so still getting there. You can reach us on any Celtics Life article or on Twitter with the hashtag CLPod because we just want to bring you guys the Celtics coverage that you want just the way you like it. Thanks, everybody.